0: You weren't recording that. No. Oh wow. Ah, great band. Where where can I find the agenda? In a g chat oh, That's the oh, place. God. Damn it. I will send it again. You, so you didn't prepare <laughs> your topics? Yeah, I did. I did research on my topic. Oppo okay. research. Let's start. Welcome. Loyal listeners, this is podcast 0000000054. Uh, we are coming to you after the Styrian Grand Prix, not to be confused with the Syrian Grand Prix, which is not a thing, uh, and coming, we are days away, and we may be, I don't know when you'll actually get this. The Hungarian Grand Prix is coming up. Uh, which is one of my favorite races of the year. I love that track. I was watching the race highlights from 2019, and the various lines that you can take through the corners means there's a lot of kind of variability in the race. So I'm excited for it. But uh, what do we have? Um, yeah, I think I wish it was the Syrian Grand Prix. Uh, it probably would have been more exciting than what we watched on sunday right (laughs) yeah but um, i'm Wow! don't need anybody bomb. don't need any bombs in our races um let's get it off kick it off before we get into the actual meat and potatoes of the race here um let's do life updates it'll be brief because it's only been what (laughs) five (laughs) days since our last pod this is unprecedented life updates to kick it off you give the fans what they ask for and they want the life updates first um maybe during life updates we can just someone can capture any positive or or negative feedback we've gotten about the 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 megapod we just launched last week i don't know if anyone's heard any good chatter i've seen on social media i've seen mostly positive obviously there's some haters (laughs) but for the most part it's been positive positive, so um yeah i i've seen nothing but rave reviews of the megapod there's lots of talk nice. about a new feud brewing between rob and one of our fans who shall not be named um there's talk about our you know the classic imperial versus metric debate which is a long-running theme in our podcasts but i think uh, people were happy happy that we're back even though it was a truly a megapod Thank you I, I think we should take official stances on the <laughs> the metric debate I, I you know, I know where I stand and i'm I'm happy to be where I am. Um, where is it? I, who <laughs> I'd like to know Where do you stand anti-metric oh, what whoa oh, come on <laughs> this is like outing yourself as a flat earther or climate change denier. <laughs> Do you have any reason I, No, that? no. Well, I, I'm looping in anti-military time with anti-metric. The, the I, That's all one camp to me. So I don't really care about the metric side. I'm really just the anti-military time side. And that's why I'm where I am. Is it because it has a military connotation? Because we could just call it the 24-hour clock if that would soothe your... No, it's you not know. the military. The it's not the military. No, no, no. <laughs> I just think the people who use it tend to flip-flop and you they say that they only will use military time and then you often see them not stick to that. <laughs> this so seems how am like I, a targeted barb. How am I supposed to know? Now, Andrew, uh, I have a question. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to back you up because I think you're referring to Rob as, a, as the flip-flopper on the time based on his yes. text messages. He That's also, right. he never really grasped, he always in his head converts Fahrenheit to Celsius, he never got to the point where he only saw it in Celsius, which is the point of us being metric dudes. So I would agree. He he kind of toes both both worlds. You so, mean he has that formula up and does the calculation? I would like to yeah. defend my honor as I frequently find <laughs> myself doing on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is true that sometimes I slip into 12-hour time and well, one one of my defenses is you can't really use 24-hour time at work. They're going to kind of, like, fire you if you start doing that. Second, yes, I did convert Celsius to Fahrenheit when I was first learning the system. Has anybody does any kind of conversions in their minds when they start learning a new language? I, I mean, I don't know what to say, except I'm sorry that I wasn't born learning it. And I had just now converted it when i first learned it now i'm beyond it's, that i'm happy to report and i'm better for it they say you you really grab when you start dreaming in celsius is when you know you've mastered it no doubt now question who is the other feud with i don't remember this feud between
1: uh a yeah, guy I named murk um,
0: dog i was gonna say i can't our listeners <laughs> <Iris>, but uh <laughs> yeah murk <laughs> dog <laughs> We're okay we're kind of creating um, a beef out of thin air but it's gonna I'm, I'm sure it's nothing yeah. i'm sure it's nothing um okay great um, about your life I, update andrew <laughs> no i have some big life updates i, I got some uh, quick life updates uh, this past weekend i went to a lovely Widowmaker brewery on at a gazebo on the deposit okay. visit it looks like a dump the right by the best western on the river uh, but it's a lovely time. You get a little breeze off the water, good scenery. Um, obviously, we watched... had one, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, watched Quali. obviously watched the race on Sunday and then went for a lovely bike ride with John and Becky on Sunday. Um, yeah, that's about it. Back to work, back to the work week, the grind. Nice. Um, I also went to Widowmaker with Charlie. Uh, that was, re- it was really cool. I, I, anyone who hasn't been there, I highly recommend it. It was kind of a, I would call it a hidden gem. I don't know if Charlie agrees, but just a lovely breeze, a lovely breeze coming off the fair in the Ponset, and you can watch the boats go by and kind of, you know, imagine yourself fishing off that same boat. Um, would you smell any of the bodies? No. Actually, that was, um, the wind took care of that as well, I think, blew <laughs> it downstream. Nice. Um, That was very nice. Um, I had some nice little projects in my basement where I rearranged all of my, where I hang my bikes, my rooftop carrier as well as my skis. That's all very streamlined, very safe, very legal. That's looking great. Um, And big news. I got a call today telling me that my bike is done, ready to be picked up. So. I know John was, was saying that I wouldn't get it done and the haters can now be quieted because that's all complete. Um, I can't wait to hit the the pavement maybe next weekend or maybe this weekend. So big news on that front. Can't wait. Thanks. Hat tip to John for giving me a bike, even though I had to put in some serious. I, I believe go. they said, I believe they said it was in phenomenal shape. Did they not? Yeah, they said it was in very good shape, really didn't need much work, just a little bit of, yeah, the chain was was messed up in the rear cassette, and then obviously the pedals, which I already knew about. So overall, they, they were pretty impressed with the, the shape of the bike. Rob, are you going to say anything? Yeah, anything? yeah uh, I just wanted to just did a quick search for Widowmaker Brewery. Is this the one in Braintree, or is there in a ponset uh S- satellite there's, a, there's like a yeah there's like a pop-up not a pop-up but there's a um the Best uh, a gaze- a, yeah gazebo basically that that has widowmaker beer there it's like a beer hole yeah it's, all right how are we going to get really a hidden gem how are we going to get this it. podcast in front of widowmaker so we can get the retroactive ad revenue for this segment maybe we do it the next pod will be a live pod at the widowmaker pop-up gazebo Free beers for the performers. So funny story at Widowmaker is uh, I was in line to get my beer, brought my dog Copley. As I'm, I'm next up, and Copley decides in that moment to take a dump on the side of the the beer line. Yeah. Oh, in so, line. Yeah, I was in line. He saw a nice little patch of mulch and just decided to go for it. So I. I had to get out of line and take care of it. So that was pretty embarrassing. Perfect perfect segue for my life updates. Um, I continue (laughs) to pod remotely from Maine. And one of the exciting things about this week, in addition to it being tax week, is that my youngest child, boy two, has learned how to take off his diaper. So for one of his naps, he started crying in the nap. We're like, that's weird. We went in there. He's got no diaper on. There are turds scattered around the bed. <laughs> Everything is wet. I thought you said he was constipated. Turds everywhere. Well, that was today. This was another day. Every day is a new surprise. That is insane. Was he crying because he was Can upset you... his bed was messed up? Yeah, he wanted okay. it fixed. Can you believe there's only one <laughs> Father's Day per year? I mean, that doesn't seem right. (laughs) uh, Anything else, Rob? No, that's all that's (laughs) happened in my life. i pay taxes and clean up shit. Uh, Okay. Uh, Yeah, I got a couple, not too many. Lovely bike ride with Charlie and Becky on Sunday. Nice pace. Good scene. Uh, Saturday, interesting thing happened. Uh, I just remembered this. Golf was great. Uh 43 42, great round, uh, even with a double on the back. So if I sh- straight out my driver a little bit, that could have been in the 70s. I'll just say that. But um well, that's interesting it was, right? thing with the yeah, it wasn't. Interesting w- thing with the golf, we get there at 645. Uh, we get our carts. Zero Hawk six zero six four five. Yeah, zero six four five. Everything's military time on this pod. We get our carts. We're on the tee box, getting ready to go. Our third member of the crew, also uh, a podcast host here, Charlie O'Brien, still has not showed up yet. Uh, we're about to tee off. We text him, "Hey, we got cards. Just meet us on the course." Um, Eight thirty rolls around. Still haven't haven't heard of him. So we we're kind of rounding nine at this point, pretty much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I t- at this point, I text Becky. I say, "Hey." are you with charlie i just want to cover my bases if he's in a ditch somewhere i don't want that on my conscience. you know what i mean so i text becky she says yeah he's right next to me he's checking his phone now wouldn't you believe it uh charlie just thought we were playing golf sunday instead of saturday uh i hate i would hate to say that uh this hasn't happened before but uh, it definitely has well you know what i'd like to raise a possible defense of my brother is that some cultures use a calendar that is Monday to Sunday. And it can be very confusing if you go between that culture's calendar and the U S centric calendar that starts on Sunday. So I haven't actually thought this through. I mean, maybe he thought you were playing golf on Friday, if that's the case. Listen, just like (laughs) last pod, I don't know why we're talking about this. Yes. I made a mistake. (laughs) All right. I mean, yeah. Could, could people help me out a little bit more? Sure. I live my life by a Google calendar. Not a single thing was sent out. I will and then, say. And then the reminder text comes at 6 a.m. Not the night before, 6 a.m. I agree with that, Charlie. That's, I mean, that, don't even send that text. That is yeah, such a what's the point? Of a text.
1: 6 a.m.
0: I'm either <laughs> up or I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm either up and that already coming fair. or I'm asleep. <laughs> and it, I'll it could, say, I'll say. Go ahead. Why wouldn't he? If he was leaving at that time, they would almost have been better for him to knock on Charlie's door or ring his doorbell at that point than send a text. I mean, it's just yeah. that—that's no help. I mean, the guy struggles with time; he struggles with days, and he—that that just. Go ahead. Charlie, Charlie did not. Um, he didn't really fess up to his mistake at first, and him and oh, Hawk started please. going at it on. There was on, was, uh, on text and I'll tell you this hawks game went er, downhill right after that you guys oh, are hey. high use a phrase again i was wondering if that was the cause of his poor poor play it was from a from an outsider's perspective it was very fun to observe the uh, text conversation i mean you know these gingers they their fuse gets lit and sayonara you know yeah so here's the first, were, here's the very <laughs> here first Two text messages I sent. First one says, well, dot, dot, dot. The second one says, I screwed up. So let's not say I was deflecting. You guys are yeah. fake news kings. All right. This so is, I, in fact, called the Premium Unleaded Podcast. Uh, it is the Premier F1. I'm going to have to short-circuit our updates. There we go. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You're talking about your kid's diaper. All right, Rob, you want Briefly, to Briefly, it? in it's brief. Yours. This is your segment. This is where you shine. Take it away. Mr. Recap. (laughs) So to give everyone the proper context here. Robbie uh, recaps. (laughs) Last weekend was the Styrian Grand Prix, Austrian Grand Prix 2, for those who are keeping count. And all the pre-race chatter was about, oh my God, will qualifying take place? It's going to (gasps) rain. Of course it took place. Uh, And it was exciting i'd say because the rain it was raining all through qualifying and it really made the drivers kind of uh, bravery was the word they would use on the broadcast i would say kind of guts is what i would use recklessness controlled recklessness uh more important than the cars and so there was a real mix up of the grid and getting to the Lewis drove phenomenally in Q3, and he had pulled by, I think, almost a second over Max, then followed by Botas, followed by Sainz in fourth. Uh, so that's four, uh, three constructors in the top four. And then I think uh, Ricardo may have been fifth. Uh, anyway the kind of notables that I haven't mentioned were Ferrari and Andrew can address this in a second qualified, I think ninth and 11th or 10th and 11th with Vettel just sneaking in ahead of Leclerc and Sergio Perez in the racing point, which is looking very fast this year, messed up or something happened. It was raining extra hard when he was out and didn't, he was out in Q1, started 19th, had a great race. We'll get to that. And Lance Stroll qualified pretty well, but I think he was out in Q2 anyway. But those two had great races and moved up. Um, But I love the rain. It makes the driver skill and driver kind of choices much more important than the machinery. And that's what I I think that's really exciting in F1. So that's my uh, recap. Any comments, questions, concerns? No, I think me off my game here. Yeah, I think the starting grade was a little different, but um, pretty pretty well, there, well played out there. Yeah. I, yeah, and then there were some penalties. I think Lando Norris got a penalty for passing in free practice 1 under a yellow flag. Yeah. Um, and Sainz started did, third. Oh wow, uh, ahead of Boat, ahead of um Botas. Botas. Then Ocon was fifth. All right. Thanks for the correction. What what, what does everyone take on the kind of the rain? I mean, it's a much different race. Would you be in favor of them like spraying the track with water? Yes. Most oil. Let's put oil out there. No, for real. I honestly, I love the rain. I think it's so cool when it rains during qualifying or the race. I don't need it the whole race, but it's an awesome variable to mix in there. To me, that shows the truly great drivers are the ones who are on the limit, in the rain, not giving a darn about the repercussions. You know, they just push that car. Well, it also also makes me think about one of the proposed, quote, fixes, close quote, to F1 is to make the cars more powerful. So – you know, if you kept your foot on the accelerator all the time, it would be wildly out of control and you really need to learn how to harness a more akin to driving in the rain and driving in the yeah the wet um, or the dry. I think that would be, I, I think it's great. I wouldn't want it artificially because I think one, the rarity of it and, and two, the unpredictability of when is it going to rain? Is that cell going towards us? Do we need to switch our tires now? That all adds exciting elements. If it were just sprinklers on a hundred percent of the time, we'd lose some of that variability. So are people, I look forward that. Sprin- sprinklers have been a uh, proposed. Yeah. I don't, wow. I don't love the rain to be honest. I agree with John that I think the cream does rise to the top, but I think it's really limited to the top drivers. I mean, Max and Lewis, to me, clearly stand out in the crowd from from the rest of them, and everyone else is a, a bit jumbled up. And I just don't like... it. Kind of the same reason I, I wasn't a huge fan of um, the first race of the season. The unpredictability is fun, but it doesn't really... It's not, not racing is not, uh, I'd rather see the, like the crashes, you one mistake you're out. Um, the, the, the safety card car kind of jumbles things up to your point, Rob, the sales coming in, those are all guessing games and kind of takes the race out of the driver's hands, which, um, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not really for, I mean, I, again, they're fun to watch, but I'm not, not that into it. Okay. What did everybody think of uh, Russell's qualifying? He got lots of 12th, um, right? 12th, but the first time 11. Williams, not the first time it, Williams hasn't made it into Q2 in ages. Yeah, I feel like people were have just been waiting to dump praise on um, young George Russell and oh. there's so much potential And he's just been, you know, stuck with Williams, which is an awful car. So his first kind of sign of life, people were just very excited um, to celebrate his qualifying, which was really good. But then I think I remember the very beginning of the race, I mean, he was quickly getting passed and it seemed like he kind of uh, faltered a bit. Couldn't agree more, I think, especially a lot of the English, the F1 English language coverage is from Britain, and they are they they play up the British drivers, English drivers like Russell. I also think it's hard to measure him because uh, you're best measuring your best yards is your teammate, and he's up against a rookie Latifi. He's never uh, lost. He's never come and sit behind his teammate in qualifying ever. And who have his sad. teammates been? No, to be, be careful. careful. And Latifi. Be careful. I, I mean, his I time. I don't care who you're racing against. Yeah, you've never lost your teammate. That's impressive. He's been in F1 for a season and two races. Calm down. Fine. Look at his time, though, in qualifying. Uh, yeah. 19636 6 versus Ferrari, 19628 and 545. No. 5. <laughs> well, that brings I us know, to on. our. You that just well, last point. You just get finished talking about how the rain brings out the best in drivers and really shows you who's who, and Russell does really well in the rain and then, like, oh, no, it's luck. Okay. So
1: that's we, your Do we
0: say – I mean, I think it depends on the rain, how heavy the rain is, right? Like, if there's a little – you know, Oh, it's a it, heavy flow. Yeah, if it's dumping rain, I think there you lose some of that skill. That's more luck. That's my opinion. Um, yeah, I bought a new sprinkler recently and I drove through that on Sunday. Didn't That's lose any, any pace. Yeah, it was good. Very <laughs> solid. Were you driving one of those new Ford Broncos? Cause you wouldn't. No, I have a, time. uh, I have an all-wheel drive Subaru. You didn't First hit a table. single, didn't hit a single kid. Uh, I swerved, missed a few. Didn't good have been there. Corn. Good corner. driveway, All right. bro. Uh, should I do a quick race recap? Robbie recast. Give everyone the The proper context here. Uh, I would say it was a real snoozer of a race. We can all give our grades in a second. Hamilton got away and was never challenged. Verstappen was, uh, behind Hamilton and didn't look like he was going to be able to challenge him. Botas looked like he was going to be stuck in third. Um Perez made a strong charge from 19th to fourth. And he looked like he might even challenge Botas for third. Uh, I would say the best racing of the day was for positions five, six, seven, and eight in the last few laps, which is actually something that happens at this track all the time. And Perez was in front, followed by Ricardo, then Stroll and So Norris, in some order, Perez was in front. Perez had damaged his car, and um, Norris was able to overtake everybody on the last lap. Um, And Perez, with his wounded car, lost, I think, almost five seconds over two laps. Uh, So Norris finished fifth for, for, um, oh, I'm sorry, I should say, for stop in, had some damage to his car and so it ended up a mercedes one two hamilton botas followed by verstappen followed by albin who was in fourth albin albin okay but he was but i would note he was 30 seconds off of the top three like he was not in the mix max was in the mix albin Mm -hmm. we got to talk about what their what red bull's doing with their second driver followed by um as I said, signs. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. Norris. So signs was actually, he qualified first, but he had, McLaren had a terrible pit stop and signs fell back as a result of that. So then, then it finished. Norris, Perez, I think, Stroll, Ricardo. Bruno didn't have a great race. We'll talk about that, I guess. Um, and I'm not going to go through the rest of the top 10, but I will say, Ferrari had a little oopsie at the beginning of the race and neither of them finished. So Andrew, you want to address that? Uh, neither yes. One finished uh, two laps just to clarify. I'd, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to address that. Um, yeah, one thing I would just comment on your recap recap, which was beautiful as always. Um, Max did finish 33 seconds off the pace, but he made a late pit to try to get fastest lap, I think. So that's probably yes, why he did. And then you're right. Albin was forty-four seconds off. It's so only eleven seconds behind Max, but really with a twenty-second or so pit stop, 20 twenty-five second right. pit. So it's a yeah, that was a big gap. Um, yeah. So okay, let me let me go over what happened with Ferrari, and John can corroborate this because we're watching it together. Um, and with Max. I would on. I would like to say that Charles Charles finished four laps. Charlie, so please apologize for what you just did. <laughs> just <laughs> <said that. laughs> um, yeah, so I'm trying to remember exactly where they started. I believe Sebastian started in P10. I think it was 10 Charles, or 11. Yeah, it was 11, but then Charles got a three-spot three penalty. So he, actually, so he started in 14. Mm. Um, Sebastian got a very poor start, and so quickly, Charles was right behind him. And I think the entire first lap I was saying to John, they're way too close. This is not going to be good. That They're all bunched up. And then I forget what turn exactly it was, but um, Charles did this absolutely stupid move, dove right into this corner that he had no chance of, of taking. And um, basically him and Sebastian collided. Sebastian had way more damage to his car. The rear, the tail was pretty much just off. And so he had to retire immediately. Um, and then Charles had pretty bad damage to his floor. And so he tried to, he came in for a stop. I think he got his front wing replaced and then uh, tried to gut it out for a few laps and then it was just stupid. So he just retired, but here's, go ahead. Do you wanna say, I just had a couple more thoughts, but. Yeah, and so I wanna just, just to provide some, some context here. Uh, these two guys, Seb and Charo, also had a collision in Brazil, the penultimate race of 2019. That's for you, John. Uh, <laughs> they've got a. They've, I know it's not a full season, but are they going to be able to race together? What's going on here? Who is? I don't remember whose fault was that one. Did do you? Do you recall? I thought it was. Vettel's but it was kind of like a 45 55 where they were just drag racing side by side oh right yes that's right I think that was Vettel's fault um yeah I don't know if they are going to be able to race together and I don't know if it matters to me this is a throwaway season for Ferrari it's a short season thank goodness so we don't have to live through 20 races of this um the biggest issue what they did was that they brought a bunch of upgrades to the steering grand prix and instead of being able to test it out for a full 71 laps they got to test it out for a grand total of five laps so they got no good data out of those upgrades so they have no idea how it actually you know improved their car which would have been the perfect control because they just raced in the same exact course last week they brought upgrades and they would have been able to easily tell if their car was any better so that was a complete waste the only silver lining, I think, here is that the way Charles handled it after the race was way was so mature for his age and more mature than, I think, Sebastian handled it. Um, I think that's good to see. But that is literally the only silver lining to this whole thing. And I think Ferrari Ferrari's is in big trouble. trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, big they're in big trouble. But well, the way they screwed Sebastian, really, embarrassed him, I think they got to pull him from the lineup. You know, he's going to pull some shady stuff, I think. So who's their reserve? There no way they do that, but but who's their reserve? Do we know? I don't know who their reserve some is. Some young hot Italian. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> you wish. Um, <laughs> I, I think it might just because might be happening just because they are both pushing a little harder because of the lack of performance. I. I I'm not reading too much into it. They're both professionals. I agree. I, li- I really liked how Leclerc handled it. Seb's a professional. I don't think he's going to play games. Um, the person I'm most worried about at Ferrari is uh, your boy, Benotto. I, yeah. He, Ferrari does not have a long leash for their management, um, and this is, could be a disastrous season. He might be gone by the end of this. He, he kind of seems like he has no plan. Like, he kind of just reacts to what the press is saying. And, like, he doesn't really – he doesn't instill any confidence, I don't think, in the fans. It's like, yeah, we suck, so we're going to expedite our our improvement package. And not sure if it's going to help, but everyone seems upset, so we're just going to try it. And that's not really not what you want to hear from a guy who's trying to run an F1 team. So I like his glasses. You know, he has that going for him. I wish I had his glasses, to be honest with you. But besides that, I don't. I don't envy the man. Could we see a, a, a Gunther Steiner at Ferrari next season? That I. I mean, he lives in Italy. Why would you not put Gunther Steiner? Because I, I think position? I think Günther might might have his days numbered at Haas. <laughs> Speaking of people being <laughs> fired. <laughs> Yeah, we're, it's a, he's not doing so hot at Haas, so yeah. would but he seems like him? a perfect personality for that team. Guys, just calling just to everybody wankers and tie the bow. Antonio Giovinazzi is the reserve driver for Ferrari. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> just like I said, he's a real yeah, driver a for talent. another team. That's weird. Um, and Pascal Verline is on the list too. So, who knows? He's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ferrari's in big trouble. Fairway so, season, to go from a team that had a really bad weekend to a team that, although the the very end wasn't great, um, but had a very nice weekend racing point, it has the paddock in a in a stir. Their pace this season. Could, could I, I I do want to get to the race. That's a really interesting topic. But I want Andrew's. What? Where do they finish? Constructor championship-wise, Ferrari. I see your topic, and I bat it away. Uh, five or six? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Who? I mean, so they're getting crushed by – they're already 20 points behind McLaren. McLaren. Well, I was laughing at – two years ago, I was literally laughing Rob off the track in Montreal. Uh, 20 points behind them. So, obviously, Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, uh, racing, racing points. Point. How are they going to touch them? And who else are they behind right now? Renault? So maybe they maybe come in fourth, I don't just know. Just for, for some perspective here, McLaren does run a Renault engine and they are not the most reliable of instructors. So McLaren could just have a, to- a horrible weekend and Ferrari's back. Those 20 points can evaporate like nothing. Yeah, you're right.
1: You right. had oh. an
0: early beer during that race. Very, uh, let's talk day. about That's so funny. so sorry to interrupt you Charlie so I'm gonna let you get back on topic now racing point does look mega fast should I take this topic mm-hmm. or? okay racing point uh, I'm not a big fan of racing point but let's look at the numbers to see what we're talking about they are on a heater uh, they are let's see right now they're fourth in constructors with 22 points. That is only five behind Red Bull. 27. And I think Andrew said McLaren at 39. So, yeah, they're right, at, right in there. We'll compare that to last year. All of 2019, they were in seventh place in the constructors with 73 total points all of last year. They already have 22. So they've made some big strides, and that includes, I think, Stroll got a DNF in the first race. And I think Perez came in sixth both races this year so far and then stroll was seventh uh last weekend and Perez really should have had fifth well I was gonna say but for the damage Perez could have had third definitely (laughs) not um, come on oh you're right it was Albon, not Botas he was chasing fourth all right I mean I I think that their point haul is an understatement of how fast that car is and I refresh our listeners' recollections. it's called the Pink Mercedes. They just copied the Mercedes, the 2019 Mercedes, as much as they could. I, so, I think so, we're going to uh, get into that in the uh, Renault complaint. An, an update on that. No, we can kind of merge these topics. So, after the race, Renault formally filed, uh, I believe, a second complaint with the FIA. And essentially, they're was racing point has not only taken pictures and looked at the design of the mercedes but has copied it to the specs i think they're making the argument that mercedes has given them certain specs of parts and they've copied it down to a t which is illegal i'll spare everyone the details but there's an article says that you can't you can't copy from a competitor. You either have to manufacture your own parts, or if you outsource the design, the third party should not be a direct competitor. Um, so they raised that up to the FIA. Apparently there's a, there's a, an acceptance period of these complaints to either say, no, we're going to not even look into this because it's a dumb complaint. The FIA accepted Renault's complaint and impounded uh, the, both the front and the rear brake ducts from this past weekend's race on the racing point and then they went to mercedes and asked for their front and rear brake ducts from last season and they're going to do a um one can assume a comprehensive side-by-side comparison of not only the outer design but the interior and racing point keeps saying this is garbage there's nothing to it we built this car. So their confidence level is sky high, which makes you think that they're one can hope that they actually built it just based on pictures. I would say, I mean, they're definitely, I think they're in trouble here to be honest with you, but it seems like it's a little hard to prove unless there's a paper trail. Um, The other thing I wanted to bring up, I just, I don't know if anyone noticed it. It feels like Charlie really, uh, Fancies up when he says Renault, he says it in a very fancy way. I don't know if anyone noticed Renault? that. Like a, real, a real French flair to it. Renault. I was inspired <laughs> by our French town segment. That was, really, that was really my only comment. He loves so. ordering in French too when we're in Montreal, which is always fun. Calessa, Renault? I believe that's in Rimouski or Saint-Domingue. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I want, I did want to just get into the technical element of the challenge a little bit. I'll be brief. But so I think even Racing Point does not hide the fact that they copied the Mercedes. But it is legal to take pictures and then you have to be able to, quote, show your work to the FIA. So when they say, well, how'd you come up with this car? And you show them, oh, here are our drawings and here's our math. And lo and behold, we, you know, they don't say we reverse engineered it, but. You take pictures of the car, you can reverse engineer it, and you have the schematics to show the FIA when they say, show us how you built this car. The allegation is that the inside of the brake duct is obviously not viewable through pictures. Last year, you were allowed to share brake duct information, and Racing Point is a, almost a subsidiary. They have a, they have a cozy relationship with Mercedes. So Mercedes was sharing the brake duct work with Racing Point and the allegation is now if you, even if you learned something legally in 2019, which racing point did, you can't use that information in 2020 to make your break duck. Now the break duct cannot be shared with other teams. So I don't know why racing point is not going to be able to quote, show their work close quote, using the same reverse engineering that they did with the exterior photos. I don't, I don't understand how this challenge is going to stand up. They're just going to be able to lie their way through with reverse engineering schematics. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be tough to prove that or or to really nail them. I think it's just kind of a, I don't know, a statement to say we know what you're up to and everyone else knows what you're up to. I think what this does, which is pretty neat actually, is it it shows how close in reality these cars are and something like a a brake duct that you copy can turn a lowly racing point into you know a, an upper echelon team and i think that's kind of and that's kind of neat like how detailed these cars are and how how close the margins are so i i also the word is that uh, a lot of the other teams and not just kind of the midfield Renault McLaren Red Bull is apparently really pissed about what racing point has done Uh, Ferrari is probably pissed because they're behind Racing Point right now. Yep. So there's kind of a sense in the paddock that this is dirty, dirty pool. Daddy Larry turns his money where his mouth is, you know? Hey, getting it done. It does kind of seem like Racing Point. I don't think they get, they don't get respect, you know? I think people just look at them as a copycat. It's a copycat league, you know? (laughs) Yep. It was It was only three or four years ago where Racing Point was routinely in fourth and lauded how they were doing so much with so little money. I mean, they, yeah, they, they fell out of it in the last couple of years, but they weren't always they – were, they were punching well above their weight as Force India. I just, yeah, I just think that so much has changed from the management side and the ownership that it's a – although, yes, it was, it's the same team – it's it's a different team in, in how people view it. And I think when Daddy Stroll came in, that's totally, in my mind, that's totally changed. And now they're just jumping on Mercedes coattails, copying them, and trying to ride their way up the, the standings. So they're not the scrappy little Force India team that I think we all enjoyed watching three years ago or four years ago. Do we know, is, is Aston Martin, which is going to be the what the title sponsor of that team next year, are they drop? Is do they dropping their sponsorship of Red Bull? Do You know, because they have a, they own a prominent piece of that Red Bull car. Wonder who Red Bull's yeah. going to fill that in with. Hmm. Good question. Not a good know. sign when big money, big money, like Aston Martin's. You need you need big money to make money, as they say. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, speaking of Racing Point and the rest of the teams, I think the best part of this year so far has been the midfield battle I think racing yeah. point is definitely a maybe in like a tier of its own well they may be fighting Red Bull but the the midfield McLaren Renault has had some early troubles but I think has some promise uh racing point etc is really exciting and obviously McLarens have a have a had a great start to the year so how do you see this shaping up Rob for, for your boys at McLaren the rest of the year It's I don't want to get ahead of myself because we've raced one track thus far, and this was a pretty good track for McLaren last year. But you know, also the Hungaro ring or whatever it's called was also a pretty good track for them. Um I think they will be in it with racing point for third or fourth in the constructor. Um I think the Renault engine powering the McLaren we've, we've gotten almost full convergence on the engines. I think the Mercedes is still the best and the Ferrari is taking a big step back this year, but otherwise I think we have pretty good convergence on the engines. Um, and I think Merc McLaren has two good drivers right now. So I see them being in there for third or fourth and grabbing a handful of podiums along the way, let's say three podiums. Maybe more. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, this is going to sound like a spin zone, but I think with Ferrari being a very middle of the pack car, it has been kind of fun to watch um, how those cars in the middle uh, perform over the course of the race and seeing a lot more, I think you see a lot more battles and potentially passes and the strategy that plays out there. So it, it has been kind of Enjoyable to not just focus on the the start and winning and podiums, but actually see how some of those other cars perform. Which I think when you watch like the Netflix series, that's that's what was kind of interesting was seeing how, um, how like McLaren and and the others how they performed and, and what their strategy was like. So that's been kind of fun. I just looked back at the um, Hungaro Ring from last year, and I think it was. It looked like it was a one-two. No, it was a Mercedes one, Red Bull two, and then the Ferraris were three, four. And then you had McLaren. So McLaren came in fifth last year. So they must I think perform pretty well there. So maybe you got another, I think you got made more than three podiums, Rob, maybe even more. Well, I think that the Mercedes is the strongest car. And on and speaking of the Mercedes, they just re-upped Botas for 2021. Um, I think you can expect Mercedes to take up two thirds of the podium on any given weekend. Every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so this next segment, I'm a, I'm, uh, I've been re-energized from previous pods and bringing back some of our old segments. So I'd like to reintroduce, reintroduce factor fiction. Um, I've got some quiz, quiz quizzes here for everybody just chime in whether you think it's true or not true. And the inspiration for this is they've announced two additional races this year on September 11th through the 13th. They're going to have a race in Italy uh, at Mug- the Mugello circuit. And then September again through 27th. You, how- nope. They're going to have the Russian <laughs> Grand Prix um, in Sochi again. So let's, let's kick this off. Let's see how this goes. Get some feedback from our listeners. So, first fact here is uh, Putin owns the unofficial lap record. In, in other words, the lap record from a non-official or race-sanctioned event at the Sochi track. Fact or fiction? <laughs> fact. Fact. I'm gonna go fiction. I think he makes up <laughs> a lot of stuff. But that's just too, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> actually he didn't make that up. I made that one up. Very believable. Got true. <laughs> um he he has gone around the circuit in a in like a Bentley or something with another state official, but no no racing yet for him. Uh next fact here. Sochi is the fourth longest circuit on the calendar. Fact or fiction. <laughs> Fiction. Tough fourth fact. Sochi is six point one four kilometers. I mean, uh fact. You can't look this up. No, I'm not looking at it. I'm just saying like, that's. Oh, gotcha. Go. Yep. Fact. Spa, Thank Baku, you. Silverstone, Sochi. Nailed it. And then the last fact fiction of uh, the Russian Grand Prix is Putin wants to move the GP to Saint Petersburg in the near future. Fiction. Fact. Uh, fact. I think it's fact. It's a fact. Yeah, doji is old hat. Saint Petersburg is back in. I think it's. I think it's Mugello. Mugello. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Mugello. (laughs) Mugello. First, uh, fact or fiction? Mugello will be the one thousandth Grand Prix for Ferrari. Oh, another fact. I thought we were done with fact or fiction. No, we keep going. Oh, fact. okay, cool. I go cool. um, fact, fact, fiction. Wow. The one Ferrari guy gets it wrong. It's going to be a huge event. It's a Ferrari on okay. track, track their 1000th Grand Prix. It's going to be, if there were fans there, it would be mayhem. It might not be without fans, but uh, what a reason to celebrate that. This is, and you know what, that, that's really my home race. That is just outside of Florence, Firenze. Um, I'm so excited for the the Tuscan Grand Prix. I think it's going to be an awesome event. So, well, oh, damn it, we should have gone. There. So, despite being the, just 35 miles from the historic capital of the Tuscan region of Florence, the the racetrack is actually in the administrative region of Emilia Romagna. Fact really? Or fact or fiction? Fact. Fiction. Who could make up something so scary? Yeah, you, <laughs> you could it that That's fiction. Fact. I'm glad. I'm glad Anders sniffed that one out. Fiction. That it is, is in I mean, <laughs> dude, You're not going to get me that one. You got me those other ones. <laughs> I was really hoping I would get you. But I la- last you. last one. This will be the first Formula One World Championship event at Mugello. Fact. Um, fact. 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 Yes, it's a fact. They have lots of uh, motorcycle GPs there, but this will be the first Formula yeah. One. So anyway, Sochi's a good ad. Mugello will be I think will be sweet because of the the, the track looks very fast, lots of swooping curves. I think you got your you got your terrain for Rob. It has some elevation. The, to- the topography is going to yes. be phenomenal, Rob. Yes. You'll love that. I've already oh, watched an onboard lap. I've watched <laughs> an onboard lap. It is a beautiful track. Beautiful. I wish I could go for it. All right. So uh, let's wrap it up. Any, any updates from Loti's betting corner? John? I do. I have some updates. I think we'll let's try to get him back on. um, Maybe after Hungary, after we record that one, get like a three race update. See where his head's at. But um, let's see. He made four bets. I believe Lewis pole max to win. Ricciardo head-to-head with Ocon and uh, Grosjean to retire first. So he came out even hmm. on the race. I think he's down one unit overall. So that's what we said. that was like 10,000, I think for him is that yep. one unit. Yep. Um, and he's going to be taking a, a little different approach going forward. He'll be doing smaller bets, bigger payouts, Too much volatility for him to put his eggs in one basket, so he's going to be doing a a lot of, a lot of smaller Mm. bets, bigger bigger payouts. Yeah, kind of like the guys at the craps table, you know, who just lay it on, thirty-five or whatever. I gotta say, I think this is going to backfire on Loti. So a lot of long shots is what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. If one if one Uh, hits, I mean, that's exactly. That's Uh, crazy. The odds are long for. I I almost don't want to (laughs) bring. This up, he did send me a text after. I don't, Andrew. I don't want to get your b- blood boiling here, but uh, he Thanks. made a point to send to me. Perez and Signs and Norris are all favored to win over both Ferraris. Favored to win. Sorry. Can you say? The, yeah. Can you say the three again? Perez, Signs, and Norris. But not okay. Strowman, but is Leclerc is plus sixty six hundred. Vettel is the, is the same. Hmm. What are the Norris others? Norris is plus five thousand. Science is plus four. Perez is plus thirty three hundred. See, same I mean, Albon. He, what, is he actually going to bet on any? I mean, yes, those are good like long odds, but none of them are going to win. Well, so that's just so, a <laughs> in his new betting plan. Yeah, he's going to bet those. You might as well put a little scratch yeah. on McClare. It's just a waste yeah, of money. I think Yeah, Leclerc is the only one out put money on there. That's I see bet. where his. He, he sent me a screenshot, uh, and Leclerc seems to be highlighted. So I think maybe he's putting some. I like that scratch on there. Yeah, I like so, the weekend. Two quick points. One is that I think this is supposed to be a very hot weekend in the Hungaro ring, and so we might see some teams struggling with heat. Uh, I don't know. The, the first race was. Uh, a hotter race and didn't the Renaults go out with heating issues and the Haas lost their brakes. So maybe, maybe downplay those teams. I don't know of anybody else who struggles with the heat, obviously. Yeah. It's a virtual um, lock to have a retirement from Haas and Renault. And wasn't the, I I was reading that one of the Ferraris main issues was they couldn't get the tires up to temperature quick. So maybe the, the hot track will help them a bit there. I love the optimism. um Thanks, what baby. i I also think we should be discussing the best drinks to be having during these races, and it should be something like sochi, obviously something vodka based. uh what do we do, Zabos? I think you guys should lead us on that for the Hungaro ring.: uh, nice Hungarian port is what I would suggest. What if the race is at nine ten a m <laughs> you' <laughs> uh zero nine ten on a Sunday.
1: When so did you that wanna, stop
0: you? You want a non alcoholic? No, uh, I just don't want it to be port. <laughs> okay. Um, you could do a some type of brandy I is very big and an so apricot brandy perhaps? With with coffee or just a sip sipping it? No, with coffee maybe. You you'd you'll you would know, you you church it up a bit. Or then um yeah, p- they've also got some p- like beer, up. some yeah, and some lighter imported beers, maybe.
1: What's like this p- thing um,
0: I'm I'm seeing online? unicum yeah unicum I think, absolutely i think what is that, that is that a brand I, you go with a palinka. that's kind of the classic hungarian liqueur i would say brandy type drink just, so so this is very I, much a liqueur type race there's no like that's yeah. nice easy drinking it's a liqueur drink uh you can also could you can. go with a are you baby do a sore a beer mostly imported. um i One of the funny, on average, do Hungarians drink a lot is a big hit on Google. They're the eighth most heavy drinking nation in the world. seems high. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, I just just want everyone to be aware. And then after Hungary, what's the next race? Because I want us to be thinking about uh, next drinks. Silverstone. Oh, well, there you got to go with a good pint. We'll come up. We'll have some good answers back. on that one. L- London Pride. Hack. All right. Back then back. Mugello. Whatever well, that can't is. wait for this race. Yeah, can't wait. Looking forward to it. You must wait. It's on Sunday. Charlie, it's on Sunday. Can't wait. Yeah, Charlie. Put a girl, Charlie, we'll text you maybe. in the morning What was the race. Put a tickler in your calendar for that one. <laughs> <laughs> live and die by my Google calendar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Good night, boys. Good night. Uh, adios. Happy, happy happy tax day. Happy Bastille yeah, Day. Use. Yes. 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 See ya.